Today, we have Jonah Mandel joining us. He is the Director of Sales North America for Alibaba. He's going to be sharing with us how to measure your SDRs and account executives, on-the-job training for SDRs, and what kind of questions to ask your prospects for long-term improvement. Next week, we're going to be speaking with Pia Hellman. She's going to share with us how to get the best out of the conferences and events you attend and how to choose which ones will be the most effective. We've got a great show today with Jonah. Please enjoy. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team, You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Hi, everyone. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to ask for your help. I want to hear your feedback about the podcast so that I could make it better and more relevant to you. Send me your thoughts or questions you would like to have answered to adam at startupsales.io or use the Get in Touch link on the website, startupsales.io. Of course, I am also available on LinkedIn. Just search for Adam Springer. Looking forward to delivering you more and more impactful and helpful interviews. Jonah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Adam. Great. Let's start uh, with a little bit of background about yourself and how you got into sales. Yeah, so it's an interesting backstory. So I went to Boston University and I was in the business school there. Um, started a, a small business in, in college and from day one, I always knew that, that sales was for me. I think hearing that from friends and family, you know, Jonah, you are a salesman through and through is really what pushed me into sales. Um, but my buddy, John Shear, who was actually featured on this podcast as well, we started a, a discount card in college. And one of the major pain points that we ran into was, you know, buyers were not able to, or buyers did not have cash on them. So we were connected with a company called Square, started using that product, and then shortly after school, got connected with that team. And the, the entry-level job there was, was working in sales and helping build out the sales department in the, in the Boston area. So uh, an entrepreneur from, from day one. Yep, that, that, that was the, um, the, the part of starting a business that I enjoyed most was working with customers face-to-face, -face, trying to schedule appointments, grabbing the business owner's attention, and then hustling to their office to explain the value proposition of, of what we are selling. Yeah, I believe I, I read somewhere that a high percentage of all the CEOs of companies uh, come from a sales background. So it's because you're, you're engaging with the clients, you get to know the, the pulse of what the clients are wanting. Yeah, I think you hear a lot of times people say uh, accounting is the language of business. I firmly believe that that sales is the language of business. If you're able to understand the customer and really understand their pain points and build a proper needs analysis, I think that you can really transition any business into a profitable one. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, we have a lot to cover today because uh, you know you have a lot of experience here. The director of sales at Alibaba. 
And before that, you were uh, the sales manager at Shopkeep. And you explained to me offline that you took the team from, at Shopkeep from 35 account executives and three SDRs, and you changed that to be 20 account executives, uh, so dropping 15 and increasing the SDRs to f 15 SDRs. Uh, can you dive in deeper onto that and why the, that change? Yeah, so I think the primary reason why we made that transition, so I started off at Shopkeep as an account executive, so a lot of the pain points that the, the reps, the SDRs, and account executives were dealing with on a daily basis, I understood those firsthand. So you know, when I was an account executive, the management and executive team would push us that time to first contact was so important. The problem that we ran into as a sales team was we were being told that time to first contact was so important, but then we had to have lengthy demos to explain all of our products and services, everything from the software to credit card processing. Our average demo was anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And at Shopkeep, we had the luxury of having inbound leads come in through the funnel, and they would hit our inbox every five to 10 minutes. The problem there, working in a very competitive space, mobile payments, if you, we saw that if we don't get to our leads within the first five minutes, their cookies were all over the internet, and our competitors like Square and Revel were contacting our customers before we could reach out to them. So once I got put into a management role, I'm sorry, actually, before I was put into a management role, I reached out to our chief revenue officer, uh, Itai Hertz, and I said, hey, Itai, you know, I really think it's important for us to you know, flip the model of heavy on account executives and very light on SDRs. If a key metric is time to first contact, and, we, and through marketing channels, we're paying three to $400 per lead, we need to make sure that we get to these individuals first and we create specialization within our sales organization where SDRs reach out within five minutes, they qualify the business, they then set up the 45 minute to an hour demo for our account executives and our account executives will not have to rush through a demo. They can take their time because they know the prospectors are getting to all of those inbound leads as quickly as possible within five minutes, qualifying them and scheduling those appointments for the closers. Wow. So five minutes is the secret number for, for that industry. Yeah, I think that, you know, that, that was a number that, that we graded all of the SDRs on. You know, we found, and this was through, you know, sales operations and, and tracking, the conversation was drastically different if we did not get to them within five minutes. After five minutes, and yeah, five minutes sounds like a very tight window, but if you're a business owner, and nowadays, you know, business owners are empowered, they know all their options, the internet has, has created that, that purchasing process, rather than a buyer who looks at the Shopkeep website and says, hey, I'm interested in your services, explain your services. If we got to them after five minutes, not only were we explaining our services, but we had to handle a lot of objections about how we compare it to Square or Revel or Clover. So within five minutes, and in this industry, the sales process was fairly transactional. You know, one call closes were, were, were fairly prevalent. So like I said, catching them within five minutes made the, the sales process more so about how our company functions. After five minutes, we got into a lot of, you know, how we compare to our competitors. Okay. And how, how were you managing that? How did you get a hold of them in five minutes? 
Yeah, so what we did at Shopkeep was we, we used Marketo, we had different lead gen partners where whenever a new lead came in, it was automatically routed directly to the SDR. The leads were round robin, so this was based on availability. You know, different SDRs had different lead sources that we worked. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it, all the leads that came in through our marketing channels were round robin to the SDRs. And, and as I said before, we were grading the SDRs on time to first contact, at least top of funnel, was the, the number one metric that we looked at. Interesting. And were they, were they reaching out by phone or by email? They were reaching out by phone. Great. And so when you took that, uh, that SDR team, uh, how much of an increase of business happened? Yeah. So in terms of increase of business, I think that we, we found that our you know, return on investment of, of the sales team to be substantially more profitable. The account executives in the past were really working full cycle. They were doing prospecting and closing. I think that the, the primary win that we saw was that we were able to grade our account executives on their demo to close and prospectors from time to first contact, number of contacts to decision maker contacted. So the, the primary metric that we looked at there at, at Shopkeep was the, the lifetime value of a customer um, versus the cost of acquiring customer. And the, the metric that every SaaS company really um, desires to hit is, is a three to one LTV CAC. And that definitely got us on our way to that metric. Excellent. So it made a big difference. Yeah. And what was some of the difficulties in, in making this kind of change? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that a few difficulties were, you know, number one, we had a lot of account executives that had a been with the company for a substantial period of time. We, we hired up quickly. I think bringing in a lot of, for the SDR role, bringing in a lot of junior representatives that had no sales experience, you know, Previously, we brought in individuals that had sales experience. They worked at worked in transactional sales environments. You know, we we really hadn't invested seriously in, in training prior to that. But bringing in thirteen individuals that had no sales experience, we had to invest heavily in in training. And um, I would say that that was the biggest learning curve for me. And you brought them all on at the same time, then. We brought them in over a six-week period, six to eight-week period. Wow, that's uh, yeah. quite the intensive uh, training program then. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of onboarding, a lot of phone screens, and got to know probably half of the tech sales community in, uh, in New York City through that process. And how did you manage uh, to stay on top of each of their phone calls and everything at that time? Yeah, that's a good question. So... You know, going back to, to something John said in his, his podcast, I think that when you are trying to drive the business and manage the business at the same time, it becomes difficult. So a few things I did is the SDRs that were there prior to this hiring spree, I really tried to empower them to help a lot of the management on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, oftentimes they would run call listening or they would do a training and i think that that accomplished two things a empowering people is obviously extremely important and b it, it freed up some of my time to think strategically on how we can actually drive the business so ra rather than managing two free two feet in front of me i was able to think you know five to ten steps down the line and it also i'm sure gave those three sdrs uh a lot more confidence in what they were doing and strengthen their abilities. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, one thing that we implemented at, at ShopKeep that was extremely important, you know, speaking to a lot of my friends and colleagues that worked in the SDR role, the SDR role can be, is, is, is very much a grind. So I think that in this particular situation, we actually created a three-tiered system where entry level, we had SDR one, two, and three. SDR ones would work primarily inbound leads and the leads that we actually saw as the lowest converting so they could really sharpen their teeth and understand the process so a lot of what they were doing learning what we were selling and sharpening their teeth on the leads that we most likely spent the least to acquire and once they demonstrated that they were able to understand the product and they moved on to sdr2 sdr2 would handle our highest converting leads qualify them and schedule appointments for the account executives and then SDR3, which is really a cross between an SDR3 and a account executive associate, they were spending about 30% of their time learning from the account executive, handling some admin work. And the goal there was SDR, the SDR job is, is a grind. And a lot of times what we saw, if SDRs went from SDR1 directly to an account executive, they had no closing experience. They didn't understand the day-to-day -day of the account executive. We wanted to say, you know, hey, Mr. and Mrs. SDR, you have just spent one year of your life working extremely hard for us. We want to make sure that once we do promote you, you are prepared for this role and you're in a position to be successful. Wow, I think that's really, uh, really a smart decision. I think a lot of people could learn from doing the same thing. You gave them like, uh, a training, a work training program uh, to steps to to proceed with, and yes. steps to go up to. Exactly. Uh, really nice. Okay, and so when you hired the twelve SDRs, uh, all come in at once. What was the biggest mistake you made in that? I think the biggest mistake that we made, and I think that it was in that situation and also earlier. Oftentimes you see companies fill seats to fill seats. I think that we decided, hey, we need these individuals to, to fill these seats. We really wanna drive this KPI as, as quickly as possible. And especially in a, a smaller sales organization or as in a growing company, a lot of the individuals that you bring in to, in this case, build the SDR team, through longevity, those are the individuals that grow into leadership positions. Those are the individuals that set the tone for the rest of the team. You know, no, no matter how much you empower individuals, how well you train them, you know, ensuring that you hire people that are the right culture fit and individuals that, you know, something that, that I look for in every hire is not only somebody that has that raw sales ability, but somebody that has that entrepreneurial mindset. And especially as you're building a team, you really have to find those individuals that are good culture fit and also entrepreneurial that want to help you find the solution. So to go back to the question, I think that we hired people to fill seats and we were thinking short-term versus long-term. How is this going to affect the business, you know, 12 to 18 months from now? Yeah. I think that's uh, really key. Don't hire the right the the wrong people just to fill the seat. Yep. You, you need to think long term. Definitely. Excellent. All right. So now let's uh, take the switch over to Alibaba. Um, yeah. And you have a very interesting approach to selling uh, in the U.S. Uh, where you told me before offline that 
you're approaching clients to understand their problems and pain points instead of trying to sell or convince them. Can you uh, dive into that deeper? Yeah. So out of the gates, I was hired to, so Alibaba acquired a company called Open Sky. Once that acquisition went through, I was brought in to build out the, the sales team. And I think that for those of you that are not familiar with Alibaba.com, it is a platform that connects U.S. businesses with international sourcing partners to help them lower their costs of goods sold. They can source um, you know, directly through China and find a manufacturer that can help them produce their products. So out of the gates, you know, a lot of buyers today view Alibaba as a yellow pages, a place to simply find a manufacturer. And then once they find that manufacturer, they take their business off platform. So what they'll actually do is they'll communicate through WeChat, they'll pay through PayPal. The problem there is we pay to acquire that customer. They use Alibaba as a yellow pages, then they take their business off platform. So to go back to your question, the reason why originally my team very much was structured um, like a research team, we reached out to these buyers and we were asking them open-ended questions saying, you know, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer, why would you take your business off platform? Why do you communicate through WeChat rather than using our internal messaging system? What type of payment terms are the supplier or manufacturer offering you that entices you to take your business off platform? So out of the gates, my team was very much responsible for not just selling the product, but also asking buyers why they took their business off platform, what they would pay for service X, Y, and Z, and then reporting that back to our research team so we could help build the products and services that U.S. business owners needed to stay on Alibaba for the longevity of their business. Wow, it's a big undertaking. What, what were the prospects' reactions to this? Yeah, so I think a lot, of the pros, a lot of the buyers that we spoke with had no idea that Alibaba had any presence in the U.S. And a lot of these individuals have run into you know, different issues. They were very supportive of, number one, having someone locally to speak with. Number two, they were very much they, they were very excited that we were you know finally rolling out products and services to make our platform more user friendly for for their businesses so overall very receptive i would say the one thing that we ran into was you know it took us a little bit longer to develop the products and services than what we were originally planning on so some buyers got impatient but overall you know especially once the products and services were launched buyers are, are very pleased to have a an all-in-one solution to source their products so rather than having to use five different applications to source internationally as we've rolled out these services and that's that's primarily through our feedback that we provided to our product team they were able to stay within one platform so overall very very receptive to uh, what my team has done thus far okay and what was the, the biggest thing you learned on the sales side from going through this process yeah, so previously in my career, both at, at Square and Shopkeep, it was very much the, the sales, the, the product and the sales process were, were primarily built out. I think that here, you know, personally, I, I've never really been on the ground floor of figuring out what products and services do buyers actually need. So working very closely with our head of research, Charles Rogers, um, he, he taught me and then I was able to help train my sales team on act asking open-ended questions, really having the buyer talk about 
their experience. I think in sales, in a lot of respects, we like to control the conversation. Either that is asking questions that direct the business owner into one or two directions. In product research, you're very much asking open-ended questions and ideally having long conversations to figure out where their pain points are and just simply how they're using the platform. So working very closely with research and building a product from the ground floor is is really what I've learned so far in this uh, in this role. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's really important for salespeople to understand that that if you ask those open-ended questions, yes, it, it the conversation will be a little bit longer, but you build a lot more rapport with the client, uh, and you really find out what their needs uh, are so that you could solve it properly. Yeah, and I'd say that's another very unique thing about about this role and, and this team here. We, we take our reps off the floor for a couple hour blocks every day. They are sitting very closely with our research team, our product team. I think individuals here at, at Alibaba feel very empowered where they are not in you know, a, a little bubble where it's call, 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 demo, what's your demo to close conversion rate. Like I said before, bringing in people that are entrepreneurial is something that was priority number one for me when building out this team and individuals that can think strategically, can sit in a room with our head of product or head of research and explain why they tried the sales tactic or when they tried the sales tactic, how did the buyer actually respond? So that, that, that has been a, a learning curve for me and how to implement and train sales, sales representatives to think more strategically. Part of your team's role in Alibaba is to make a, for a stickier experience. How are you accomplishing this? Yeah, so the, the primary way that we are accomplishing this, as I touched on before, a lot of buyers take their business off platform, and that is due to a, a poor customer experience. They, would pref they prefer WeChat to communicate, or their supplier is offering them payment terms. So to give you an example of empowering a representative and how that created a solution or a service to keep buyers on our platform. Um, one of our, our top account executives, his name is Steve Cohen. He spoke with a lot of buyers and a lot of the buyers said to him, hey, my manufacturer or supplier is providing me with payment terms. They allow me to pay them back 30 days or 60 days after I receive the product. So Steve and I sat down and we said, hey, why don't we start loaning buyers money so we went to our CEO, John Kaplan, who does an amazing job in empowering people on their team to really own their section of the business. And I said, hey, John, you know, Steve and I have really heard from multiple business owners that the primary reason they take their business off platform is because they are a lot, they're giving the business owner payment terms. He said, Jonah, figure it out, get it done. So I sat down with our, um, our controller, Anish Patel, and he said, all right, let's go online. Let's devise a net 30 payment term contract and let's start loaning business owners money. So a week later, we had a payment term, a net 30 payment term contract in hand. We started selling that to buyers. We had 10 buyers out of the gates that signed up. We offered them net 30 payment terms. We came up with an interest rate. And what we did was we saw a lot of success. Every buyer paid us back with interest. And the great thing there is empowering our rep to think of a solution that we simply beta test with 10 buyers. We transitioned that into a extremely large initiative where now we have a partnership with Cabbage, one of the largest online lenders in the States. And every buyer that goes onto the Alibaba.com platform 
is now able to take out a small business loan directly on our platform. And the key there is that was an initiative that a sales representative on my team heard from a buyer, captured that information, came to me because he felt empowered, and I brought it to our CEO. We beta tested it with 10 buyers. We now have a product and a service on our platform that buy, if buyers want to use their working capital, they have to come back to Alibaba to use that capital for all their transactions. Wow, it uh, it sounds like the whole team is is there to support each other and are really open to new ideas and thinking outside of the box. Definitely, yeah, and you know that that really is just just one example. Aside from that, you know, really the the primary services that you know internally as a team that we sell, we're simply trying to build trust between the buyer in the states and the manufacturer or supplier in China. And you know that's not easy. If the buyer and the manufacturer are not able to to meet, they really rely on on myself and my team through either services through conversations to to build that trust. So how, how are you guys building that trust? Yeah, so today, I think that in the past, these buyers did not have a, a local sales or support team. So they were communicating directly with the manufacturer and they were not able to, you know, there's a, there's a time difference, there's a language barrier. So number one, having a local sales and support team is extremely important to these buyers. Whenever they have an issue, they can pick up the phone. Also through some of the services, like I mentioned before, working capital, we have inspection services. A lot of these services help create trust between the, the buyer and the supplier. Okay, and kind of going back to what I was saying before about your company and how you guys all, all are thinking outside of the box, uh, how do you guys create such an environment? How is it such an open environment like that? Yeah, so step number one is, is definitely hiring. So through the interview process, you know, a lot of the, the questions that I ask are really to drive to see if this individual is entrepreneurial. And I think directly at, you know, at Alibaba here, we need people that are strategic thinkers that you know, their, their KPIs can, can change weekly. So a lot of times, you know, in my opinion, a great account executive is somebody who comes into the office every day and they look at the compensation plan and they say, how can I break this compensation plan to maximize, to maximize my paycheck? In a lot of ways, you know, we, we are not looking for those individuals. We are looking for individuals that are top performing account executives, but they want to figure things out from the ground floor and help put that structure in place. So step number one is, is interviewing and making sure that we really drill down on entrepreneurial spirit. And number two is, is on a weekly basis, one of the KPIs for my sales team is how many screen recordings we actually use a service called Note Ninja. How many screen recordings they're able to capture and send to our product team and to our research team? That is, you know, in my opinion, a, a unique a unique KPI for our sales team here. And you said that uh, you're asking during the interview a lot of questions to find out if they're if they have that entrepreneurial bug in them. What are some of those questions? Yeah, so some of the questions that I ask individuals in, in interviews is the, the first question that I ask is, you know, what do you do in your spare time? I think that that's really important. Um, understanding are they keeping, keeping tabs on what's going on in the tech community? Are they interested in, in entrepreneurship? I ask them, you know, what type of books they're reading? And then, you know, more pointed questions, I'll ask them, hey, have you ever started a business? 
what's held you back from starting a business? Do you have, um, do you have the desire to start a business? So, to, so really drilling down on what they're doing in their spare time, and also have they started a business? If so, what type of business? If not, why? And um, really drilling down on on those questions. It's interesting. Uh, more and more as time goes by, people are reading less and less books. But all the sales leaders I've been meeting with and interviewing are all saying that they're looking for people that are reading books. And it's a, it's a good key indicator of success of sales because of, it allows you to think outside the box. It gives you ideas that are outside of your own experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. Oftentimes when I ask that question, you know, what books are you reading? Are you reading the Mark Cuban, How to Win at the Sport of Business? Oftentimes, this has come up a couple to, uh, in a few conversations, they'll say, no, but I'm, I'm watching the show Billions. And I'm like, um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure if that is a, uh, a trait of an entrepreneur, but I'm glad you're enjoying the, uh, the TV show. <laughs> Netflix <laughs> enjoys it for sure. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, your sales team is very clearly not just responsible for sales. Um, so what KPIs, uh, besides how many Note Ninjas are they sending out, <laughs> are, are you looking for? Uh, and how do you compensate them when it's not related to their work? Yeah. So aside from from Note Ninja and, and call recordings, you know, today my team is responsible for for driving revenue. So that is simply large orders. We are trying to get our, our current customer base. So Alibaba.com users, we are trying to get them to place larger, more frequent transactions. So every representative on my team has a KPI for simply bookings or revenue. And then on top of that, some of the services that I mentioned before, um, they also have a KPI for those services on a monthly basis. And th those services consist of our program that we call Pay Later. That is the, the small business loans. They also have a KPI monthly for inspection. That's another service that we sell on our platform. And then the third is logistics. We also allow business owners to ship their products directly from China to the U.S. using our shipping solution. So to summarize the, the three KPIs that my team currently is graded on is product feedback. How many recordings are they sending throughout the organization? Revenue, how much revenue are they driving with, the, with their current customer base? And then value-added services. How many value-added services, of, how many of those three value-added services are they selling per month? And, and really, I think all three of them touch on, on, on three very different aspects of our business, right? So the product feedback is helping improve our product um, long-term. Driving revenue is simply working with customers today to try to build trust and have them place larger transactions. And then the last one, in my opinion, is, is really the most important. You know, our goal is to create a stickier platform. So if buyers get hooked on using our shipping or they take out a loan through our platform, they have to come back to alibaba.com no matter how close or how comfortable they feel with that manufacturer if they want to use any of those services they have to come back to our platform so you know in my opinion that that third metric how many value-added services each rep on my team is selling is what's really going to drive our business and create a, a, a one-stop shop for businesses that want to source products internationally great what's what's one of the biggest challenges that your sales team is having uh in, in selling this kind of product 
Yeah, I think that, you know, my, my boss, John Kaplan, is probably sick and tired of hearing me say this, and we were constantly making improvements to get there. But the biggest challenge that we run into is catching the buyer at the right point of the buyer journey. And to kind of the SparkNote version is today, my team only goes after goes after buyers that have an Alibaba.com account. So we are reaching out to business owners that have already set up an account, but either haven't transacted or have only transacted a couple times. We receive this information from our headquarters in Hangzhou. You know, oftentimes they will send us information and we will reach out to these buyers. And a lot of times, let's pretend like you are a buyer. I say, hey, Adam, I'm Jonah calling from Alibaba. Um, I'd love to educate you on some of our value added services. You know, one of them is logistics. You know, a lot of times Adam or the buyer might respond and say, hey, Jonah, thank you very much for reaching out. I just placed my quarterly inventory order a week ago. I don't have another order coming up for three months. So today, you know, we are not helping buyers sell through their inventory. We are simply helping them lower their cost of goods sold and source more responsibly or more reliably. So if we catch the buyer at the wrong point of the buyer journey, we just had a 45-minute conversation and Adam is very interested in our services, but he's not going to place another order for three months. So a lot of times we're not catching the buyer at the right point of the buyer journey. Yeah. <laughs> very common problem with uh with people that have and companies that have long sales cycles right, yeah. is getting them at the right time. Yeah. And then, you know, my sales reps, we, we don't want to create a poor customer experience, but when you have sales reps that are being compensated on KPIs, we run into a problem where, you know, sometimes, you know, our sales team will, you know, push buyers saying, Hey, you know, if you sign up now, we can help you lower your cost of goods sold and pushing buyers to to transact when they're not at the right point of the buyer journey. That is very much something that, that we are trying to figure out how to only send leads to reps when buyers are in the sourcing process rather than right after they placed an order. All right. How big is your sales team? Yeah. So today we are 12 representatives. Okay. And do you have any SDR or any kind of initial stage team? We do. Yes. So, you know, one of my uh, favorite books is the sales acceleration formula and really creating specialization within a sales organization is extremely important to me. You know, I touched on that with my experience at Shopkeep. So I actually created a, a new role. The role that I created at Alibaba is rather than an SDR or a business development rep, I think oftentimes you ask people in the sales community, what's the difference between an SDR and a BDR? Everybody has a different answer. So I created my own role. I call it the business utility representative. And the reason why I created that role is this individual at my company is, in my opinion, kind of a cross between, is a little bit more than your typical SDR. So they are the individual that qualifies every lead. They are the first touch point on every lead. But more so than simply time to first contact, qualifying, they also help us organize a lot of our marketing, our marketing initiatives. So we hold local meetups um, every couple months. They are responsible for coordinating those events, reaching out to different types of buyers, having them show up to these events. So in my opinion, it's a cross between somebody on the marketing team that might do lead generation and somebody on the sales team that might be called a SDR or BDR. So I created the title of business utility representative. Great. So 
So because of you, we have to learn another uh, three-letter uh, <laughs> exactly. so, job yeah, title. So now, so now when you ask somebody, what's the difference between an SDR and BDR, you now have to ask, what's the difference between an SDR, a BDR, and a business utility representative? B-U-R. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your team heading? Uh, are you looking to expand further from there? Definitely. So I think that, you know, as I touched on earlier, Alibaba had, had no presence in the U.S. We are the only sales team at Alibaba Worldwide that reaches out directly to U.S. buyers. And, you know, one of our primary initiatives is making the platform more buyer centric. And today, you know, we're we refer to ourselves as a small SWAT team that services, you know, so many different parts of the organization. You know, right now we are really trying to figure out the best way to create a sustainable inbound sales funnel. As I touched on earlier, we we are reaching out to the buyer at the wrong point of the buyer journey in a lot of cases. Once we master this inbound sales funnel, which we are taking steps every week to do this and figure out. You know what landing pages do our meeting does our meeting link need to be on? We we plan on expanding this team, and you know the the, the primary metric that we look at that you know I've referred to John Shear a couple of times. Him and I, um, you know, speak on a, on a weekly basis on growing our sales team is generating quality meetings. You know, the more meetings we book, that is how we are going to base further hiring. So that once you reach a reach a certain threshold of meetings, you you need to increase your sales team. Exactly. Yeah. Today, our account executives are receiving about seven booked appointments per day on their calendar. How long is each meeting? Each meeting is any around thirty to forty-five minutes. Wow. Probably close so to forty-five minutes. They don't have much time for follow-up and things like that. Yeah. So I think that about two-thirds of their day are our are, are new business and running demonstrations and, and meetings. And then the rest of the day is, is, is follow-ups and then um, ensuring that, that buyers are satisfied. Wow. Sounds like uh, they've got a good healthy pipeline then. Yeah, definitely. I think we have the luxury of having, you know, millions of, of leads of people that have created Alibaba.com accounts here in the United States. And we need to figure out how quickly we want to hit all of those leads and bring them into our, our, you know, our account management. Are you using any kind of tools uh, in order to help with this process? Yeah. So are you referring specifically to, to sales tools? Yeah. Any yeah, kind so of tools that are helping with this process? Yeah. So a few things that we do today is, you know, well, number one, we, we actually use HubSpot as our CRM and we have found that to be extremely valuable. You know, I had to use Salesforce my, my entire life. And, you know, in, in my opinion, you need, you know, an army to help run that out of the gates. But um, HubSpot has, has been incredible thus far. As I touched on before, we also use Note Ninja to, you know, help, uh, help the sales team take their knowledge and broadcast that to the rest of the organization. And other than that, we, I mean, those are really the, the two primary software tools that, that we use on a daily basis. Okay. Is there any automation uh, as far as uh, keeping up with all the clients? sending emails, things like that? Yeah, we, we actually, um, we use the HubSpot, HubSpot marketing tool. What we use that primarily for is, is dropping buyers into tailored sequences and really trying to keep our team top of mind so they come back to us. So in terms of automation, after a buyer 
places an order directly through our sales team. We drop them into a nurture campaign. We actually see that, that most buyers on our platform order about four times per year. So after every order, we put them through a nurture campaign and we are constantly tailoring those email campaigns. So if we ever release new products or services, they are notified. And the goal there is to have those individuals come back to our sales team when they're ready to place their next order. Well, Jonah, it's uh, been a pleasure having you here. I think we learned definitely a lot about how to organize a structure, uh, an SDR team, what to look for in hiring people. I mean, just uh, my head's about to explode. So oh, yeah, <laughs> I, hope, I, hope, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you joining us. Is there a way that uh, people could reach out to you and uh, get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. You can reach out to me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So direct message is probably the best Thanks way for to listening to, to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. To contact Adam about consulting services or speaking engagements, visit startupsalespodcast.com or email startupsalespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Yeah, Adam, thank you very much. Great, Jonah, let's uh, finish up with the final five. What is your favorite sales or leadership book? My favorite sales book is definitely the, the sales acceleration formula. Um, every time a new hire starts at my company, I order a copy of the book and have them read that. A lot of people on my team after reading that refer to it as my Bible. I think that it really highlights the importance of inbound marketing and creating a service level agreement between sales and marketing. Do you have somebody that you follow or read for sales and leadership advice? I definitely follow Mark Roberge on LinkedIn. I think he publishes a lot of quality content. Um, I spoke on, on John Shear before. We were business partners in the past. I think that you know him and I have, have two very different skill sets, so it's great for us to bounce ideas off each other. And um, like I said, yeah, we, we have weekly conversations. So Mark Roberge and, and John Shear, both products of the HubSpot sales organization are you available 24 7 or do you have strict personal time boundaries yeah i i am you know all business all the time so if, if people are reaching out and you know a deal is to be had or they want to talk business like i said reaching out via linkedin or email if i see you know the opportunity presented i'm, I'm always available to uh to speak what is your favorite tool used for sales my favorite tool used for sales so this might be a surprise to a lot of people in the sales world, but you know, I, I absolutely love the, the HubSpot CRM. I think that a lot of the, the products and services, services offered through HubSpot are directly on that CRM. You know, some of the, the issues that I ran into with other software, you're always tying in you know, 8x8 to Salesforce, different marketing automation tools into Salesforce. To me, I like to have a, you know, a cloud-based, easy-to-use CRM where the phone system is directly tied through HubSpot. So... The HubSpot CRM has been a, a low-cost, um, efficient CRM to, to launch my, my sales team. <laughs> and the affiliate link? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's good. I, I'm also looking to make a change myself and uh, I'm finding that Salesforce is, is a really complicated route to go. Definitely. Good. What one piece of advice do you have for all the founders and uh, sales leaders out there? 
Yeah, I think that for director level and, and, and management positions at sales organizations, it's really important to lead by example. You know, you have a lot of people, I think, that are in the director or management role that do not get their hands dirty. So, you know, whenever a rep is, is running into problems and, you know, has leads that they're, they're running into issues, getting them on the phone, I'll oftentimes take the individual into a room, say, hey, pull up your next five leads. I'm going to call through them. And I think really showing representatives that you are able to do the job, willing to get your hands dirty and lead by example, that just... That, that breeds respect. And I think that being in a director or management role, if your team doesn't respect you and simply sees you as an individual that is asking them to make more calls or send more emails, that, that does not create a, a healthy working relationship. So, you know, on a daily basis, I am picking up the phone and, you know, showing reps that, you know, I know how to do the job and helping them through any struggles they run into. Great. Lead by example. Jonah, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, Adam, it was a pleasure. Thank you.